Hello to you, listener of the Musician's Journey podcast. If this rock is still spinning in space as normal by the time this episode is scheduled for publishing, you'll be presented with a conversation I had with a DJ violinist, Usher Laub, who straps his electric violin onto himself so that he can break dance in between bowed phrases both to his original songs and to cover songs. However, if something happened to our rocky planet before that time, well, there's no use in even thinking about that. So I'll proceed and assume we'll all be here to share this recorded moment connecting through the air. Yeah, but before Asher and I start talking about the musician related things, I'll say that you can follow this podcast on ko-fi.com slash the musician's journey podcast and be notified about the new episodes coming every other week. And there you can buy me a coffee and support this important work for humankind. I also have a recommendation to give. I have been feeling a bit overwhelmed recently by the ideas I have and all the things I want to work on at the same time. And to help me staying focused on one thing at the time, as well as having the support of a creative online community. I have for the past months been participating in a new initiative called The Box. This is the creation of Miles Hansen and Bill Small. And The Box is a structure, a container around one's projects. Every week we meet online for mutual support in our current projects. We give feedback and encouragement without adding more stress to the situation. I'm not someone who seeks social situations like these in real life. I'm very homey and I guess on the introverted side of things, but the box fits me perfectly as it is a small community so far with incredibly friendly and open-minded people. There is space for everyone and I feel seen and heard. If this sounds like something you'd like to try, you can go to theboxworkshop.com and by using the discount code CELLO, in capital letters, C-E-L-L-O, you'll get 30% off for your first month. And the recommendation. At the time I did this interview, you'll hear with Asher Laub. His latest song project had been Ratan Lambian, but he releases a new music video every month or so. So since we talked, he also came out with the song Atlantis and probably even more. And now... I'll allow him to set the mood himself through his song called Neon Dreams.
so what what is this conversation for you now? I mean, being a freelance performer and producer who also has a family of his own, I guess your time is pretty precious. Do you want to talk about the things that you're currently super interested in uh, to give your audience some context for your current projects? Or what do you want to spend this time right now? Well, we could just shoot the breeze. <laughs> um... Shoot the breeze. I uh yeah sure I mean I could I could talk about whatever the uh the project that I um that I just released is a, a song called Ratan Lambian it's a love song uh as many bollywood tunes are and uh, I released it in the form of a music video shot out in uh, Maui Hawaii which I I just did a performance out there uh for Nova Nordisk and uh like a couple weeks ago and I thought I'd like capture the just the majesty, the beauty of the island. And in the context of, um, you know, this single release, Ratalambian, this Bollywood song. And uh, it is now, uh, as of like yesterday, all uh, on some major platforms. Uh, so far, it's on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, a couple other like Amazon. It'll be on all major platforms probably within the week uh, through my digital distributor. And <clears throat> it's on YouTube. Uh, that's where the music video is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I released that now because it's been a while since I've released a Bollywood song. That's one of my, one of the hats that I wear. I, I, um, I have a passion for Bollywood music as a violinist, uh, and they have a passion for the violin. And there's actually, um, they actually came to me, they, as in like the South Asian communities that came to me before I, I like initiated going to them. And I say that because they, they love the violin and there's such demand for the violin and I, I feel really fortunate sort of to have found them or to have been found by them because I've, I've been able to um, sort of find uh, a, a niche that really works for my instrument as a contemporary musician and producer. Um, <clears throat> now, that's, that being said, it's a small percentage of what I do. Uh, I, I'm more or less in the category of an electronic EDM uh, classical producer, which I think there's actually a lot of interest out in the Netherlands, that type of, it seems like more so than in the U S like in Europe. I don't know if, if you have a tab on that. Um, so w what <clears throat> is, uh, uh, EDM electronic dance music. So it's, it's a blend of, of two, those two different genres. So electronic sort of dance up, upbeat music. Um, uh, like the, the single, I, I probably one of my more successful singles, uh, neon dreams. You can check it out on my, my catalog and Spotify. Uh, and it's, but it's also, it's like sophisticated, you know, you, you hear a lot of EDM music. I find that, it, that it's, um, it's, it's very simple. And, um, I, I sort of, uh, created songs like Neon Dreams and off, off, uh, on the road to sort of bring, bring it up a level in terms of sophistication and appreciation for, uh, the complexity of the violin and strings. Uh, so it's sort of like got a catchy rhythm and something that's a, I think I think anybody can can relate to musically, like you know, my kid enjoys it, his friends enjoy it, uh, but it's also like it requires a lot of skill to play. Um, that's me, sort of. I don't know, you know, uh, David Garrett. I bring him up in like every interview. No, David Garrett, Lindsey Sterling. There's some really famous like mega pop violinists, like crossover violinists, guys with like. Okay millions and millions of fans and they 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 go on ma major tours 
So these are guys that I really, res- uh, people that I respect, guys and girls that I really respect, sort of like pushed the genre of <clears throat> pop violinist, and uh, you know, without losing the sophistication of being a classical musician, but also creating music that relates to the general population, people that would, uh, you know, ordinarily listen to like the top 40s. And here they can still kind of connect with the violin hmm. um, as like a front instrument as opposed to just like a side, a side piece as part of a larger orchestra. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ooh. There was a lot there that you brought to the table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of information here. <laughs> uh, so I, I spent a little bit of time today on your YouTube channel. Do you think anyone who's serious about their business should have a, a drone to shoot their videos with these days? Um, not necessarily. Um, I... Th- I find that it works well with the violin uh, because people that may not be may not understand the instrument or really know how to play the instrument, but sort of appreciate the sounds and love nature, which is a universal thing. Like just about everybody can appreciate panoramic views. Uh, That's why I kind of build it in, you know? Yeah. That's why I bring in drones with a lot of the videos that I produce. So you offer a huge amount of different performing acts of different genres and for different types of events. How do you keep organized so that you know where to be at any time and your co your co-performers turn up where they're supposed to be? Uh, so I'm doing about, I'm going to say, well, it depends on the year, but, but in a decent year, I'm doing about two on average, 200 events a year. Um, in addition to like, maybe 15 original and cover releases, music videos, uh, endless posts like every day on social media. So it's, it is a ton. You're right. There's a ton of content. There's a ton of organization required. Um, and it's easily as hard as the other two careers that I, that I had that were like mainstream, uh, careers. It's really a full-time job and, and then some, um, so the way I stay organized to answer your question is, um, obviously have my Google calendar, which I wouldn't, I don't know what I'd do without it. Like just has to be in my phone. Remember back in like the nineties when we like had these cat our, our physical calendar, maybe you still have it, but I just, I, I still use that. <laughs> actually. Like, I really? No. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. No uh, hats off to you. I respect you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would, my life would fall apart. I, I just, I can't, I can't carry that in my pocket. Um, I would need like a backpack strapped to me wherever I go. Um, I guess you're one of those mentally organized people. I need my whole life in my phone. Well, I don't have 200 gigs a year. Yeah, I mean, I feel so much more in control when I have pen and paper uh, for some reason. But I've started to keep a Google Calendar backup because if I lose my calendar... Yeah, it's it's nice to have a backup of like the most important things that I wouldn't want to lose. Yeah, but you you know the only thing is with Google Calendar, you trade that for your pri- the convenience with for your privacy. That's how they win. Like I I I give up. I'm like you know what I need it. Yeah, I need it. Yeah. I can't I can't <laughs> juggle everything. <laughs> yes, today I gave in and I let Facebook do a a photo of my national ID card because uh. Yeah, I just had problems logging in 
So in the beginning I was I was in doubt and then several days has gone by and I there are some things I need to do on Facebook. <laughs> so I just gave into that yeah. and I thought, oh, they probably have my ID anyway. I can just as well. Uh... The same thing's happened to me. It's probably happened to everybody. Uh, it's frustrating that uh, this private company has to have like sensitive information. But what are you going to do? You know, yeah. they operate in every country but two in the world. So, But let's talk about social media then. Would you mind? Sure. It's something that I keep thinking, okay, I'll use Facebook and Instagram enough so that I have my career and can make a living as a musician because that's my current project, to be able to make a living of it. I mean, how necessary is social media, do you think, for a professional musician? So from my experience, it's really necessary, but with a big caveat, I've found that there are a number of musicians that are barely using social media that are doing very well. And I kind of wish I had those connections and like knew how and what they were doing because I find social media to be a bit cumbersome as I think many people find it to be. And it's, it's like, you know, I I don't, that you're working for the man. Like I can't stop once I start unless I have a team supporting me in some other capacity in the music industry, like booking events for me. Uh, I suspect for your listeners, I'm sure there are musicians that that are tuning in. I suspect that, you know, musicians, they survived and they did fine before like 10, 15 years ago. I, I think that the benefits of social media may be somewhat exaggerated. And I, I find that there's a lot of manipulation going on in social media, like I see it. And there are a lot of companies that kind of piggyback off of that manipulation, a lot of third party promoters, and they they take advantage of artists and and people using social media to grow their businesses. And they end up in a bad place. Uh, And so and there there's the algorithm can be kind of sadistic in a sense, meaning people can fly high in social media for a very short period of time and then and then crash if they didn't do it correctly. And, uh, you know, their fans aren't really like continuously coming back. It's almost like a punishment. So it's sort of like, you know, just Instagram, for instance. Um, you know, I know I know a number of artists who have they've they've ended up doing really well for themselves over a number of months. And then they crash because they couldn't keep they couldn't maintain their fan base uh, or consistently post and that type of stuff. Uh, or they just used or the you know the wrong strategy. So it's it's also a bit of a dangerous venture, uh, but everybody's doing it. So uh, I guess the algorithm is constantly updating, and and people are learning the hard way. But I think a lot of people are being forced to shift to other careers as the social media strategies don't work uh, long term, uh, and others are 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 doing very well for themselves. For me, I'm constantly pivoting, constantly re-strategizing, constantly uh, collaborating and and consulting, I'm going to say, consulting with, with people who, who have decent advice. Um, that being said, there's also a lot of people who claim to have good advice that have bad advice that I found yeah. after, after the fact. So it's a, it's a real, uh, it's almost like a no man's land. <laughs> like there's nobody to help you. Like if you, if you do well and then your, your income crashes, you know, go find another job. It's, so when, when I go to your homepage, I'm asked if I would like to sign up for your newsletter. 
So you're clearly also, I mean, you have an email list, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How important is that, would you say, for a performing musician? So I had learned that it was important because a lot, because a lot of, I found that a lot of artists were using it. Um, it just seems like another just strategy uh, that once you start using it, you have to keep using it indefinitely. Because <laughs> when I stopped using it, I found that I, things started to go awry. Um, and when you start losing your fan base, you, you're not able to keep up the momentum that you were previously. So this is a strategy that I find is consistent. Uh, I consistently connect with my fans like once a month or so on that list. But I also find, and this is just a warning to your listeners, that it's not particularly helpful to be spamming everybody who opted into your list. So I select the list of people who are most interested and actually open my email and click on the email and, and check out my music. And I ignore the people that opted in and then like checked out one email. Like I, I don't send them any emails anymore because it sends a message to Google and these other platforms that you're kind of spamming people and they're not, they don't really want to read what you're reading. That being said, I've seen some major artists whose email lists I've, I've signed up for who continuously email me and I, I don't mark them as spam. Like I, I, I want to just kind of see what they're, you know, what they're doing and I'm interested in what they're doing. Uh, but I don't have a chance. To, I don't get a chance to open their emails. But I want my email rates to remain high, and I want the people that are that are connecting with me to be really engaged with my content and to be enthusiastic about my content. I just gave you a lot of information you didn't ask for. I just I'm hoping that this helps other people. I want to be helpful to your audience. Yeah, I've just been cleaning out my inbox, email inbox. Uh, it was a, a huge task uh, and I've deleted I don't know how many thousands of emails and um, I just want to become a more conscious user of emails. It's so easy to just have them coming and they're just dead there and nothing happens and it feels really bad. So I really want to now just sign up for what I actually have the energy to engage with. And that's not much, to be honest. Well, you seem like a very calm, centered person just talking to you over the last 20 minutes. It's like, hmm, does she do yoga? <laughs> do you do yoga? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so if I had the time, I, I love yoga. Um, if I had the time, I'd do it more because it, you know, it's just good for the back. Yeah. Just good for like, you know, reprogramming dur mm. during a busy day. Um, but I'm saying that in the context of I couldn't agree more. You get a flood of emails and and it doesn't feel good to to have to have to constantly scroll up and down hundreds of emails per day that are in the spam or updates tab. So what I've actually done um, is I've created I've had to create multiple emails like Emails that relate to my fans are like Asher fans at Gmail. My personal emails, you know, another another email account. I have a business email account. Um, my my outreach team is using like FD Productions. Fiddler's Dream Music is for my bookings. I have to keep this stuff separate, otherwise, there's no way to remain organized. So that's something I would recommend. It's actually expensive, unfortunately. It's 
Um, unless you just create a bunch of Gmail accounts. Right. But to create like separate domains, like the FT Productions, Philly's Dream Music, I've created like three different, four different domains that pertain to different things, record label uh, related work, you know, uh, um, live event bookings, uh, private clients, that kind of stuff. What are the things that you have to do yourself? What are the things that you have to fill your, your work day with? So I do a lot of client bookings and also I deal with vendors uh, who book like booking agents who book on my behalf. I'm sorry. This is probably really annoying. No problem. Um, I'm just trying to get like, oh, I'm supposed to sit over here. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, I, uh, I, <laughs> I have to set up contracts with my clients who book me directly. And for vendors, uh, I have to like sort of negotiate um, how much I'm charging, location, time, that, that kind of information. Um, social media is pretty time consuming. Connecting with fans, which I, I really enjoy, genuinely enjoy, uh, is, is also time consuming because you don't want people to feel ignored. Uh, you know, when you're like, uh, when you're signed to a major record label, you don't really have to do that as much. I guess you have a team doing it for you while you're I don't know, probably doing a million other things. But uh, for me, I, I have to just, I have to manage everybody. So I have to manage my clients, my fans, uh, the D, all of the endless DMs that I get on uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and <clears throat> some, some on Twitter and like, you know, TikTok, so on and so forth. My emails, uh, what else? Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm also, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise my kid. Uh, I have a two-year-old uh, as much as possible. And I'm trying to be as, as involved of a parent as, as I can because these are the precious years. Yeah. And uh, very much like a family family man, which is, I don't know if it's typical for musicians to be like so family oriented, but I, I, uh, I do everything in my power to, to just like have a happy family, like stable family life. So that's really time consuming. I, I try to eat really healthy, which is time, time consuming. So I try to cook uh, as much as I can. Um, I go to sleep super late, you know, I'm going to sleep at like one in the morning. A lot of nights uh, I get back from gigs really late, um, traveling uh, around the tri-state. I have to book flights to LA, Texas. Um, I'm, I'm producing tracks from scratch. I'm working with, with producers to produce my singles, um, doing recording studio work. So yeah, those are some of the many things that I have to do as a musician i gotta manage finances finances is uh you have to be your own accountant i mean i have an accountant but like you have to be your own bookkeeper you know i i record every single i itemize every single gig and every single expense to the point where it's i i just like down to the cent because i i need to i need to know how much i'm spending and it's expensive being an independent uh, musician and uh you know equipment you got to record that stuff and, and itemize your receipts. And again, the bookings, how much did it cost me to drive to X to, to like New Jersey or Connecticut? How much were the easy pass tolls? I had this like a couple of very large Excel charts and I try to collect data to see like what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Is it, is it worth it in the end? <laughs> All this work? That's really good. That's like a really good, It's a really good question. Um, I I, I want to make it worth it yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm so passionate about music and because I've invested so much in this and I've given up a nursing degree 
a bachelor's of degree in, in science, a, a master's of from NYU and um, Steinhardt, uh, an education degree. I've given up a lot, um, a lot of like stable paths, pathways, like careers to to make this work. And it, it, as my wife says, it, it chose me because I've been doing this, this since 2001 and I've sort of hit the ground running with gigs. And I've seen like large, a good amount of success. Uh, but in terms of maintaining the consistency, it's really challenging. And uh, if I could keep a routine, I think that's the trick of those successful aspects of my career, then, then I'm going to say that it was a big success and it was worth giving up these other careers. Um, but when you have experiences like the pandemic, it makes you question mm-hmm. yourself, right? Cause it's like, okay, why didn't I just stick to nursing? Cause I'd be employed right now as opposed to scrambling to, to do gigs, um, that are not in the same quantity as they were prior to the pandemic. During the pandemic, Uh, I guess it became quite um, obvious that it can be useful to have something online, right? That can uh, bring you some income. Were you focusing uh, more on your YouTube channel, for example, during that time? So, yeah, I was was doing a lot of... I was playing a lot for my fans. Um, I was doing events, like local events. I my wife refused to let me like leave New York, the tri-state, which is New York, Connecticut and um, New Jersey. And I didn't really do anything education related, but I, I definitely thought of, I thought that it might be a good idea at some point. Um, but I just kept pumping out the music and just, uh, yeah, releasing music videos. And that's what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel really blessed to be able to work a lot, from my home studio. If I lived in a place like Manhattan, I probably would have lost my mind because it's not conducive to having a family and to sharing space. Like here in the studio, it's quiet. Um, I can, you know, over there in the corner, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm working on my music videos and on my uh, recording studio over here and I'm doing interviews over here and uh, doing live sessions over there and speaking with clients over like, you really need your own space to, to, to make it work. In my opinion, living in Manhattan was really difficult. Like living in a city type of, of situation, um, an apartment situation. It, um, if you're, if you're trying to do what I'm doing, if, if you don't share the space with anybody, then an apartment works fine. Like if you have like a kid running around, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll speak with the client and like, I have to be on a separate floor. You just, you can't be in the same room as, as your kids screaming or, or eating or you know the, the, your family doing stuff i live in a flat myself and uh, i'm now sitting in my uh, closet it's a very nice closet it is a very nice closet i've even had some guests in here it's very cozy because we have to sit so close together it's uh i guess you would call it a walk-in closet or something yeah but it would have been pretty hard oh. yeah if there were more people around doing lots of other things for sure i see you have a green curtain behind you as well is that to make a music video for yeah exactly uh this uh i have multiple curtains so this is my small studio i have like a a larger studio outside which was if you see like um my neon dreams music video i did a whole space like it was uh, 25 by 25 um 
which was all green screen with yeah. dancers and stuff. Uh, so with that space, uh, I like, I, I cover the whole, the whole, the whole place with uh, green screen here. This is like for mini social media posts and the black, you know, I just keep for like going live and chatting with you and so yeah. on and so forth. So practical. Uh, I feel like you'd also be good as a yoga teacher. You think so? Yeah. You got the yoga vibes. Yeah. Very relaxed. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that to heart. Well, definitely take that as a compliment. And actually, you know, it's like as a former teacher, they kids, they they sort of absorb your vibes. So it's like if you're if you're like a calm presence, they generally are calm. So you know, it makes sense that 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 works that that really works for you. Right. I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> When looking at the types of gigs you do. I can imagine I'm not always in the mood to perform like that. Or like, does it ever happen that you're actually feeling like you'd rather lie on the sofa, but then you have to go out and you have to put on your hat and you have to, you know, do a Bollywood song and. Yeah. So it's probably really stressful going on, on tour on like a three month tour, which I haven't done. Like, I'll, again, I'll do like big concerts here and there. I, I haven't done like three months consistent tour where every night in front of thousands of people i could see that being a drain um although i hope to do it someday yeah uh, and soon uh, with my next album uh that being said you know but then after the fact i'll be like okay maybe i don't need this but i know a number of people actually like left that who left like the touring thing because it was a it was a drain um i i like the spotlight i i kind of grew up in in it you know i I've done performances my whole life. I like, I, I like, um, I like crowds. That being said, I, I like, uh, I ch choose the versatility. I choose like a, an eclectic type of career where one day I'm doing a private event in front of like a hundred people. And then a, a, like a, a concert in front of 6,500 people. Um, and then another day, like I'll, I'll play a wedding. Uh, another day I'll do like a corporate event. Um, so it's always different and I don't get live performance burnout as much. My pet peeve isn't as much being in the spotlight as it is being in the spotlight where people don't appreciate the instrument. Mm. How do you know they don't appreciate the instrument? Or at least they don't show Well, if it's a corporate event, Um, often they don't appreciate the instrument as much as they appreciate the networking and like the lights and the, the vibes of the high energy event or the low energy event. If it's like more networking, uh, and they're not paying attention to like what you're playing. Mm. So that's how sort of, you know, I, I, I get a little annoyed sometimes when I, I and I've spoken with my other, other musician musician peers who also do a mix of like concerts and like corporate type of events where at the corporate events, it's, there's something unsatisfying to an extent of like providing music where people have a very short attention span that they'll, you know, they'll pay attention to the music for like a whole 15 seconds and they'll get really excited. They'll take out their phone for like the first like 10 seconds and then they'll go somewhere yeah. else. And it's like, It's a little bit of a letdown because it's like you're there as like expensive wallpaper as opposed to them 
absorbing what you're playing and the complexity and like the beauty of what you're playing. Yeah. I don't know if that answers yeah. what you're asking. I'm sure there is like someone in the back who's actually really enjoying it, but they're probably not the ones you see maybe. Yeah, you always notice somebody in the corner like watching watching the music, watching the performance over an extensive period of time. Yeah. But then you see like 80 other people that are like going here, going there, drinking, like jibber jabbering. Um, and it's like, okay, fine. That's not the, the, the point of the event isn't for the music as much. You're more of like a backdrop. I, it's, it's not as satisfying. Uh, so that's more of my pet mm. peeve. Um, I don't know if pet peeve, maybe that's too strong of a word. Cause I don't like, I'm grateful for these gigs. Um, so I'm going to say more like, like the way that, it, it, that, that you can't really connect to or enjoy playing in the spotlight. I don't really enjoy playing on the spotlight when there isn't an interest. Mm. So what's your favorite types of gigs? I like the concerts probably the most. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, but even whether it's big or small, I like the concerts where people are in, genuinely interested in whatever you have to play. I, I like playing for people who love the violin and who love, who love the genre that I'm playing. Like, electronic, classical, that type of stuff, and who are enthusiastic about it. You know, playing on Facebook, for the, the, the crowd, the small crowd that's there, they, they love the music, and they'll, 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 they love whatever I bring to them, because they just, they're, they're true music fans. Mm. So I like playing for the true music fans. Yeah. Those are the types of gigs that I, that I like yeah. playing at. Yeah. Making music is, you know, it, it's a passion for you. It was a passion for you. And then you managed to make it a business, something to make a living from. Can you say something about exactly how that happened? Was it like, was it so smooth? You didn't really notice that it happened or did you deliberately make this decision that, okay, now I'm going to make a business of this. Uh, you're a really good interviewer. You, you ask really um, like on the money questions. Um, so, The answer is uh, I made a very deliberate decision to make it a business because for the first 10 years uh, uh, on the New York music scene, uh, it was not a business and I knew nothing about it. And I was just booked for dates throughout the year and I was in demand and there was something missing from it because there didn't seem like any end goal. I was just... I was a club date guy. I was like a studio guy. I was just sitting there in a band of like 10 pieces, 15 pieces, 25 pieces. And I felt like, is this it? Like, I can't do this the rest of my life. I can't be in an orchestra. I can't like, I, I want to do something that's more meaningful. Cause it's like, you show up, you don't know, like you're not producing music that, that you enjoy. You're playing music that clients are requesting. You're being booked by a booking agent It's not about your career. It's not about the message you want to relay about the positive vibes you want to share. It's not about connecting with the fans. And I thought like, I, this has got to change. Either I got to leave the career or I, I need to, um, I need to make the, make this change. So mm -hmm. at that point, I'm actually going to say about six years ago, I made a conscious decision to make it a business mm -hmm. and it's been way harder because a lot of the booking agents that were by default calling me for everything. Uh, they, I raised my prices. I pretty much priced myself out and it's rare that they're, that, that they book me for that reason. Um, 
and I'm, you know, I still work with other, I work, work with other booking agents that, you know, pay my price and I book work for myself for clients that pay my price, that kind of thing. But it's a heck of a lot more work. Yeah. A lot, lot, a lot more work. Did you read a book about business? Uh, no, I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have taken a course. I've been figuring it out all yeah. along. I've been consulting. Yeah. I've been, I took a couple of courses, which were, I want. I don't want to bash any any of the courses that I've taken, but there's a lot of like unhelpful courses that I've taken that cost me money. That like I got some skills, but generally the improvement that I've seen in my career have been from collecting data and finding the things that work. Yeah. So you actually uh, look at analytics for things, and you read things into that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's the science background for me. Yeah, because you can get you can get advice from everybody and anybody who's a pro, and you know you can get SEO advice of which there's just so much bad advice out there. I can't even like my head. I, I'm amazed that so that like companies like Google even allow these companies to exist because it harms people. Um, there are social media, endless social media promoters that 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 don't know what they're doing or talking about and that cause harm uh short-term game long-term harm and i i feel like maybe in terms of you know you're you're producing a course i feel like someday i'll maybe sooner rather than later i'll make a course that actually benefits musicians uh or or aspiring musicians to actually help them achieve a certain degree of success where they don't have to go through the years of of challenges that i've gone through yeah yeah because i guess i mean it's hard to find a way around it you just have to go through it <laughs> yeah that or, or have some really good friends that are willing to help you and have like a really good heart like i i did i did an interview uh two days ago where uh this woman she i guess she works with record labels she she works with independent artists she's like a heart of gold she gave me all this advice she didn't have to give. It was just so helpful that I never got from any of these courses. And, um, you know, I, I want to be able to do that for other people because it really makes a difference. It's like, like artists are, there's so many struggling artists out there. Um, it shouldn't be this difficult. <laughs> you know? Do you think there is an audience for all uh, artists? Um, well, as much as I was sort of, talking down on social media because social media exists. There's also, I believe that there is, uh, there is, there are enough people out there to support a huge number of artists. I think that the major record labels, I keep bashing them because <laughs> I feel like they really, they get their major investors and that like they suck up the audience that could be available to smaller artists. Uh, and they, you know, you, you look at guys like Drake. Um, he has a massive, massive, artists uh he, he he's a massive artist with with millions and millions of billions of streams and the number of people that play his music that could potentially be there to support smaller artists he's got plenty to go around hmm. you know it's really the algorithm that that need, that if it adjusted accordingly could support endless numbers of artists but it's it's largely a business and a lot of these these are publicly traded companies like google twitter instagram Facebook, Twitch, they're all publicly traded companies and, uh, you know, they're looking for their bottom line, what pays the most. So that in many ways, they're benefiting the celebrities. 
something this podcast has uh, rewarded me with is actually getting in touch with so-called, yeah, smaller artists, uh, those who don't have the billions of streams. And uh, that's been such an enjoyable part of this project. And now when I'm when I'm uh, making food or something, I really like to put on one of these artists that I've talked with and who make really, really great music. And yeah, they, they're just not on these uh, playlists, you know, that offer you these huge numbers of, of plays and stuff. I, I, so far, every, just about every interview this month, I've, I've brought up the playlist issue. Uh, do you do Spotify? Yeah. So I spoke with a, um, a Spotify insider uh, who I know personally because I've actually done live events with, and he moved to Pandora out of frustration that the algorithm could not be changed to benefit, to be even-handed, to provide equity for other musicians. What I mean by that is that the major labels own, guess what percentage of Spotify? Uh, 100? <laughs> God forbid. 44%, okay. which is enormous. <laughs> It's, it's, an, it's an enormous percentage. They basically, they're the major players. So when Spotify tries to change its algorithm to not benefit the Drakes, right. um, whenever Spotify tries to change their algorithm, which would harm artists like Drake, uh, Young Thug, I, 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 don't want, I shouldn't mention these names because it makes me seem, seem like I, I, I don't like hip-hop. I actually record, I actually mm-hmm. play hip-hop. I'm just using examples. Um the, the major labels, all three, they threatened to pull their catalogs, which could harm the, the, the platform significantly. So we're unable to benefit. And they have the Topsify and the other major playlists that somebody like me, they're not going to look at me because I'm not, they're not making money off of me. So they're not, if I reach out to them, I'm like, hey, can you put my song in your playlist? It's like, no, you know, they're not even going to back, get back to me. But these playlists have millions and millions of, of streams. Yeah. So. Uh, and the algorithm benefits those people on those playlists. So nothing we could do except to like, con- you know, work on other platforms like Pandora is supposed to be, and uh, you know, iTunes. I guess a little more. It's a tough game. Yeah. If you're not signed to a major label, you don't want your soul to be sold. Right. <laughs> to the, to them. Yeah. I like to. I want to own my royalties. So, as someone who. Uh, likes to listen to what you do. I mean, what uh, what do you want from a fan? Do you want this connection with fans? Do you want people to comment on your videos? Do you want to actually get... You said you receive lots of DMs. Maybe you don't really want more DMs. Like, what would be a good fan relationship for you? So, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I do want DMs. Because it shows that people care. Um, but some people, they DM and they don't comment, which sort of, it doesn't show, versus other people, like the genuine fans, they tend to DM and comment and like respond. And they consistently follow me and I see that see that they are. And it, and, it, and it's, it's I'm touched, you know, like I want to give more music to them because they're, they genuinely show that they care about the work that I'm doing. Um, other people they'll DM and say like, yo, let's work, you know, and they want to, they want me to pay for like a service. And it's like, 
please stop bothering me. Like, I'm not interested in your spammy services. You can you can tell you could tell who's who wants to connect with you and who who does who just wants to get something out of you. So yeah, I, I do care. I do I do to answer your question. Like and appreciate when people DM me. I just can't always get to all the DMs, but I, I prioritize the D, like I prioritize the regular fans. You know, I make sure to respond as often as I can from the, the people to the people who really are there to um, uh, connect with me. And then I have clients trying to book me like through Instagram and Facebook, and you know it's like you could tell the ones who really genuinely appreciate your music and, and the, the ones who like kind of just want to use you to say, Hey, look, I booked this guy for like a good price. You know what I mean? Is there a platform that you prefer using? Um, I, I'm used to using Instagram, Facebook. I'm just used to it. Um, I don't like that. I'm constantly dealing. I'm constantly encountering glitches. It's it's, I, I have brand new equipment. Like my phones, the S 20 S 21 galaxy. Like it shouldn't have any glitches. But I, it's constantly updates and glitches and stuff like that. And I, um, I guess because I'm using it all the time. But I, I, I don't know if there's a platform that I prefer to use so much as like I have to use or I'm just used, accustomed to using at this point. Yeah. I find that Facebook has made my life a little bit easier in recent years. I, I find that like I'm getting some pretty incredible reach uh, for me. Uh, they're, they're for some reason they're sharing my stuff more than they ever had. Like I, I you know. Some of my posts are, are seeing like, you know, 15,000, 25,000 plays uh, just organically. And uh, probably because I've really given to the pro- to the platform in, in, a, in significant ways uh, over many years. Uh, and it, it, was, it was quite grueling. But I guess maybe this is a way of, of paying me back or not wanting me to leave. I don't know. Or maybe just because fans are just hopping on and, and really are like sharing, constantly sharing and, and enjoying my material. I mean, I work really hard to produce material that's engaging and entertaining. So I, I guess I got to give hats off to Facebook in some some degree. Yeah. After this, like, what will be on your mind for the rest of the day? Will you get up from your computer and you will have this major list that you're gonna check off for the rest of the day? Uh, so uh, I'm getting prepped for a, a, an event in a few hours for uh, to go to Staten Island, and I'm gonna work on uh, posting uh, some social media content for for this evening in advance, and I'm going to work on releasing my new single Atlantis, which I can't believe I didn't even mention on this interview because it's pretty significant. It's it's probably one of the best songs I've ever written. And the music video is like 90% finished. The song is finished. I tried to get some, like a major label act on it. Um, but we're going back and forth for months. And at this point, I just, I, I'm just going to release it. I can't, I was negotiating with five artists, like all of which are like major touring artists. And I, I just, at this point, I just need to try them on another song. Okay. Um, so I'm going to work on, on releasing that, uh, which takes, it's a, like a three to four week rollout. It's a whole process getting these songs out, and uh, I'm gonna eat some lunch. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna send out a contract and a few other things. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm always rolling out new campaigns, so that's also filling up my schedule. Yes. What's your tip 
for musicians who feel overwhelmed with all the things? How do you manage to take a break and keep the balance? Um, well, probably taking advice from people like you would be a good idea because you're very relaxed. Um, yoga would be a great idea. I, if I had more time, I would uh, definitely do yoga. And I got a secret for you. Ready? <laughs> you see that over there? Oh, you have a mini gym in your studio. I do, I do. Because, you know, I got I to gotta reprogram my back. Uh, the violin is very stressful on my back. I don't know if the cello, how you feel about the cello. It can, put, I mean, it, it's a lot of sitting, so it could. It can potentially cause uh, tension all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, with the violin, then you're a little twisted. Exactly. Um, so for my electric, I can't believe I'm keeping you on this long, but I have a, I have a support. This is a heavy electric. My acoustic is lighter, but I strap it to my back yeah. like this. So, you know, it kind of supports okay. the curvature a little bit. Yeah, so for the listeners, how can we describe it? You have some kind of a strap around your violin that goes around your neck somehow. Yeah, so this strap, I, I strapped it on. <laughs> it's not built built into the instrument. Um, I did it because out of necessity. And I really like using this because it's a beautiful piece. It's got a really nice tone um, when you program it properly through your pedals. And uh, yeah, this is just... A, this is a yoga theraband. Right. And it goes around the just... chin rest in your case. Yes. Yeah. So this is a shoulder rest. Yeah. And I strap, yeah, I strap it around the chin rest and I just kind of... Under the arm, over the head. So I can do this. That's how I'm able to dance. So then, yeah, you can just drop it. So the violin is there without yeah. you having to hold it all the time. So your back can remain in a natural position. Yeah, it keeps, keeps your head straight. So that's a cool tip as yeah. well for people who feel a little stressed. Maybe there is a way that you can uh, strap yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of your body and relax. Well, Asher, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, you have a website I will link to. And your new song will probably have been released maybe i think this will be out in september oh i gotta wait that long yeah do you think your new uh, song will be out by then it'll be out uh, uh probably way earlier july 15th ish but i release i release a song every month like clockwork i hope i can come up with another song by september that's as good as this one this is really um i love it i really love it hope the fans love it as much as i do yeah, the way to make a song better is to include some cello. Well, I would love to have some cello on on one of my recordings. <laughs> is that a call out? Maybe. What you do studio recording? I do it at home. I don't have a professional studio, but I uh, do something. I can do something for you. Ah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear what you could do. Yeah, I'm not a big improviser. But if you give me an idea what to do, I can for sure do it. And uh, yeah, you can see if you can use it for anything. I oh, that's, that's very sweet. Uh, I, I, I produce uh, sheet music for, for some songs. That would be a luxury. Yeah. Having sheet music. <laughs> yeah, well, it would probably make your yeah. life easier, right? 
I try to produce like high energy but also low key music. So I was thinking that maybe maybe one of my one of my chilled out songs could be could be cello oriented. Chill and cello, they go together. Chill and cello. Oh yeah. Mm. I, I'm sure you know the uh, piano guys and then uh, two cellos. Oh, I find it a little cringeworthy. I haven't watched uh, a lot of it. Uh, there is something about, there's some kind of overkill to it, I feel, personally. I mean, they are uh, brilliant. It's just not my th my thing. You're like a genuine classical musician. Is that is that correct? I'm actually coming to terms with just that because uh, during my journey of studying and stuff like that, I've, um, uh, you know, there's always uh, a bit of uncertainty, I guess. And now so many of my friends, even if they studied classical music, they have found their own way of making their own music somehow. And they've ventured into uh, to synths and into free improvisation. Mm -hmm. And and for me to just come to terms with, I really like classical music. Uh, feels a little rebellious somehow because now you know I'm supposed to have a pedal board and I'm supposed to ha. break new ground that's what I see people do uh, because that's what social media and the internet and all of that is allowing everyone to do uh, so it's just exploded but I just love that tomorrow I will go to a funeral and I will play two uh, you know standard classic tunes on my cello and that's just exactly what I want to do I'm really happy with that well good for you and I think I think it would be great if if there was a larger if there was more support the way there used to be uh for just straight up classical and uh less hype you know like the t we're in the tiktok <laughs> age where it's like oh god you know like you always you always have to do something crazy or obnoxious or like funny or rude or just, you know, to get, to, to get cheap views. And it's like, when is this going to stop? Like I enjoy, I enjoy the high energy stuff, but it's like, I, I, I also, I, I'm a classically trained musician, really um, entrenched in the classical world growing up. And I can completely relate to what you're saying. Like I'm sort of in both worlds. Yeah. I've seen that on YouTube, you, you managed to show that you, you have this classical tradition and you enjoy doing that. So you, you do some Vivaldi from the Four Seasons and then you also do all these other genres and as well as your own compositions. It seems really, uh, I mean, I feel a little stressed when I think about it, but I guess to you, it's just one whole. Music is just one, one big thing. It, it, uh, I understand why you feel stressed because there's something stressful about covering the gamut of different genres. Um, the reason why I do it is because I find that that I'm trying to connect people. I'm trying to like, in a sense, educate people that it's not just about the major labels. It's not just about this genre or that genre. It's like you, the violin, the string instruments. They need to be given more attention in today's modern age. And it's not just about the vocalists. Those are the, like, wh why are the vocalists, mm. that, like, back in, be before the pop era, before the Industrial Revolution, it's like, the violin was the, the cello, the viola, like, those were the main instruments. It wasn't just vocals. And I think that mm. that'll, will have a comeback. And I feel like this is the way to do it.
to have people on different types of the spectrum who enjoy like pop, hip hop, like who would ordinarily listen to vocal vocalist music, see, oh, like I could actually listen to an instrument. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a quartet where we uh, we prepare wedding repertoire, and so my job was to make my own arrangement for this song, "Shallow," and I found this YouTube. Um, mix of like okay these are five different covers of the song and one of them was without vocals it was a violin playing all the melody no vocal at all and that was the one that people commented oh that was my favorite and it wasn't it wasn't uh, like um, of course it was a, a good violinist but it wasn't a mind-blowing uh, playing but still, just uh, the way people connected to the sound of violin rather than words being sung by a person. I think, I think the sound of an instrument can allow for just a, a broader spectrum of, of relating. Because then you don't have the words that try to steer you in one way. Yeah. It's just the music. And then you can project whatever you yeah. want to was, onto that. <laughs> that was exactly what I was thinking. You can project whatever you want to. And it's like, it's, it's so multicultural. It's not just like English words, you know, Japanese words, South Asian words. Like there's no words, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what your cultural background is. It's music. And that's the universal language. Thank you for listening to us today. Do you have any thoughts, comments or questions to what you just heard? We're both happy to read from you. It looks like this podcast is still on Instagram, although the host is uh, rather terrible at being social there. You can also comment on ko-fi.com slash the musician's journey podcast. I've written a text there myself about this episode, so go have a read if you want to. And in the show notes, you'll find links to how to find Usher Love or just search Usher Love. I'm happy you're here. Take care. <laughs>